This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Bruce Marshall here on the Sports Betters Paradise, our weekly college uh, best bets from Bruce. He was three and two, very nice, Bruce. A winning, a winning week. So let's get right to it, and we go to two of the more surprising teams in all of college football last year: Kansas Jayhawks. Well, when you have game day, go game day ain't what it used to be, but when game day comes to your place in, in Lawrence, Kansas, that's notable. And then Illinois uh, and Brett Bielema did a great job, but. His 365 touch back, Chase Brown, is gone. They pulled one out of the hat against Toledo and won a last-second field goal. That was back and forth. Kansas at home, Bruce, is three. Yeah, and uh, now, you know, a couple things with the results last week and Illinois struggling a little bit. I think it might have pushed the line a little bit towards Kansas. Although, in truth, and Jimmy, this goes back to our summer preview series, and we talked about the MAC, and we talked about Toledo. Um, no shame in in any sort of win over Toledo, close or not. That's right. a, that's a top contender in the MAC. And I think last week too, uh, uh, Bielema's defense got uh, some practice chasing around a quarterback who can move some. And in, in Daquan Finn, very very dangerous quarterback. Good prep for Jalen Daniels this week on the um, on the Kansas side. Luke Altmyer's first uh, game in there for Illinois at quarterback <clears throat> worked out pretty well. Ended up leading a game-winning drive for a touch for a field goal uh, at the end of the game. So he he played in the clutch. They got back in the game from a 19-7 deficit. The defense did help out with the defensive touchdown, but Altmyer didn't look all that bad. Uh, there's still an adjustment phase after Chase Brown, but the offense functioned okay, and Altmyer figures to get better. There's a lot of people there who think he's eventually and maybe soon sooner rather than later, going to be an upgrade from Tom, uh, from Tommy DeVito last year. Uh, one other note, uh, Bielema, 9-4. and four, uh, His last 13 is an underdog. This has been a good role for him. Uh, correspondingly, 8-1 and one versus a line, less 9 as a visitor. A lot of those is, a, is an underdog as well. And uh, Lance Leopold, not too much of a workout for Kansas last week, but this was the softest defense in the Big 12 last year for all the improvements Kansas made. I'm still not sure this defense is where it's at. I'm going to give Bielema a shot here. This is the sort of game that uh, he's been able to succeed in recent years. I know Kansas is better, but I can't resist Illinois plus the points here. So I'm going to give the Fighting Illini a vote in what should be a pretty interesting game in Lawrence on Saturday. All right. Uh, Utah on Thursday night, they win despite not having uh, Cam Rising. Now they travel to Waco. Uh, Baylor looking to bounce back after a double-digit loss to Texas State. T.J. Finley, former LSU at Auburn quarterback, lit him up uh, pretty good. Uh, Utah, seven and a half. Again, don't uh, don't figure to have uh, rising here as well. And also, you know, well, let's face it, uh, Florida imploded a little bit in that game also. The Utes on the road, seven and a half at Waco. Uh, yeah, and uh, the Big 12, I mean, uh, well, Pac-12, 
uh, gangbusters last week. All the teams won. They're now 13-0 and because USC had that win in uh, week zero, too. So it's been a big start for the Pac-12. Not a great start for the Big 12. And you had three double-digit favorites lose, including uh, Baylor, as you mentioned last week, in G.J. Kenney's debut for uh, Texas State. That has helped push this line a little bit towards uh, Utah, but a couple of other developments we have to note here. One on the Utah side, Cam Rising missed the opener. The quarterback against Florida didn't seem to hurt the the, uh, Utes uh, all that much, but we know they are a better team with Rising. He will probably be a game-time decision, what we're hearing this week. He is back. He's full practice uh, this week, but uh, they have yet to name uh, who's going to be the quarterback, and that may wait until game time. The backups uh, Brown and Johnson didn't look all that bad last week, but they would rather have rising in there. The other side, Blake Shapin, the quarterback for uh, Baylor, uh, he's probably going to be out a couple more weeks. Uh, knee injury, second half of that game uh, against Texas State last week when Baylor really got caught either looking ahead or just uh, got ambushed last week in G.G. Kenny's debut for Texas State. Sawyer Robertson transferred from Mississippi State. They were very high on him, and he came in last week and was moving at quarterback. Uh, behind Shapin, he was given a shot to win the job. Uh, he, he didn't, but he came in, didn't look all that bad last week, although his last two drives ended in turnovers, but he was moving Baylor down the field. Dave Aranda thinks Robertson can move this offense and they and they can win with him. Uh, so I, I, the dynamics are different here. Now Utah is not in Salt Lake City. Utah is on the road. Utah is going to be laying more than a touchdown here, uh, even if it's just a tick. So it's a heavy price to lay. I'm assuming that rising is going to play, but you get a frenzied effort from Baylor here. This has been a good role for Aranda as a dog in recent years and a kamikaze effort from Baylor here at home. Uh, they're confident that Robertson can move the offense. I think there's some value in this number on the Baylor side. And this is assuming even uh, a Robertson versus rising matchup. And just in case rising doesn't go, that would be a plus for Baylor as well. Uh, I'm taking Baylor. Uh, I'm not sure they can win this thing outright, but I think to keep it very close, plus those seven, seven and a half points looks pretty good to me. A little desperate spot for the Baylor Bears and Dave Aranda, plus seven and a half uh, at home. Michigan without Jim Harbaugh, team pays a little tribute to him. I mean, just it's a little bit of a circus, uh, a little bit of a sideshow at Ann Arbor. Oh, here they go again. They'll they'll uh, 36 point favorites. Over the UNLV running Rebels. Running Rebels, though, in these the spots against Power Fives, Bruce, pretty profitable, huh? Yeah, they are, Jimmy, and that's what's got me interested here. How about this? Since, a, well, Tony Sanchez era started, and then even through Marcus Arroyo, uh, and now Barry Odom. So this will be his first chance in this role. But in their last nine games, visiting Power Five sides as a dog, which would mean every time, Last nine, they've covered them all, uh, including a game at Michigan a few years ago when Sanchez was still the coach. They also covered games at Ohio State. They've covered games at um, at Notre Dame, at USC, UCLA, uh, one, Arizona State. They won a game at Vanderbilt a few years ago as a dog at Northwestern. I mean, they, they continue to do it no matter the regime. And this looks like it might be an interesting UNLV team. Jimmy, we talked about them last September when they got off to a quick start and everybody was healthy, including the quarterback, Doug Rumfield, who is a real electric performer. He can hurt you with his arm and his legs. And it wasn't until he got started to pile up some injuries, ankle injuries, kind of, uh, you know, slowed his mobility last year. 
he started to slow down and UNLV started to slow down. That is a repeating theme at UNLV for years. The slowdown thing, it's the depth usually gets exposed, but not until, you know, mid-October or so, and then things generally tend to unravel. Before that, they have they are usually pretty darn uh, competitive. And Barry Odom is in. I think this is the best coaching hire they've made. They looked uh, all systems go last week against Bryant. Everything looked good in the opener. A lower-level team, but no problem. 44-14 at Allegiant Stadium. Now, Michigan last week, I know it's sort of thought workmanlike over East Carolina and without Harbaugh there, they seem to lack some of the spark. And you saw that in the guys talking about Harbaugh after the game. They missed him and uh, they sort of let ECU hang around and breaking in a new quarterback at East Carolina. This does not figure to be a potent Pirates team. They could not cover that big price last week. I think the same scenario was here, and you're getting over five touchdowns with a team that's got a little bit of offense and a history here. Um, Michigan's still without Harbaugh. It's sort of a nothing game for the Wolverines. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with history here, point spread history. I'm going to take UNLV plus that big bomber price, uh, Jimmy. I think they hang in within that big number Saturday at the big house. All right. Well, we know about the uh, – and you we, you talk about the 9-for-9 nine nine UNLV versus Power 5 ATS uh, in that little run uh, with the multiple coaches. Uh, but we also talk a lot about the uh, Army-Navy uh, under every year, okay? Well, uh, Iowa-Iowa State's mm, – they're challenging it. I mean, they're trying to get uh, in that category. How about the ultimatum on little, uh, little Ference with the, uh, the 25 points per game? Uh, interesting there. Not quite sure why you got to go public with that. But um, Iowa here is 4-36.5 and in Ames at Iowa State. First time, though, that Kirk Ferentz is in a revenge mode against Matt Campbell. Campbell finally got uh, the win last uh, last year uh, in Iowa City. So McNamara, I thought he looked good. First first drive, touchdown pass. Hadn't happened for them in like 40 years. So, But it's like, I don't know if he's enough to kind of carry the whole offensive improvement. He's an upgrade, no question, uh, at quarterback, but... I think there's limits on what he could do. I like this Iowa team. I, I like them coming in. Uh, they have a ton returning on the defense. McNamara is an upgrade in offense. I'm just, you know, they didn't get 300 yards again against Utah State. They're going to face some tougher defenses down the road. But, Bruce, no surprise here. You're looking at the total. Yeah, and uh, I under until proven otherwise. It's uh, those numbers you mentioned, Jimmy, four straight in this series, nine of ten under. So it's going bad. All that has been with Ferentz. And we talked about the Brian Ferentz, the contract stipulation. Well, I guess they're just a tick under it. Got 24 last week. The funny the thing is, I mean, last year, they were trying to score points last year, too. I mean, it just so happened they ended up scoring 17 points per game. Now, they do slow the game down some when they have the lead. They lean on that defense. There's another stipulation in that contract that Iowa has to win at least uh, seven games this year. Uh, and part of that, though, is the way they do it. They rely on their defense. Uh, and, uh, again, showed up pretty good last week against uh, uh, against Utah State in the opener, and another under for Iowa in that one. Now, Iowa State, what's going on there? All this, uh, the, the, uh, the gambling scandal and all that. Uh, several players missing, including Hunter Deckers. He's away from the team. He's their quarterback. Uh, they went with two new-look quarterbacks uh, last week, and they kept it very vanilla against Northern Iowa. The defense chipped in with a touchdown. But Iowa State still gained only 250 yards of offense against uh, against Northern Iowa last week. Now Northern Iowa's quarterback, though, was a was a top uh, quarterback in his league um, in uh, in the Missouri Valley in uh, FCS, and 
the John Heacock defense really shut him down. We know these guys play defense. This was a top 20 defense last year. Iowa was a top five defense last year. We've got this series history. I wonder, uh, Phil Parker on the Iowa side, John Heacock on the on the Iowa State side, I wonder if they are auditioning for Trump's Secretary of Defense, because Trump is going to be at the game, by the way, on a Saturday. So how about that? Uh, I think it's going to be an under. I think Iowa probably wins. And you're right. Kirk Ferentz had never lost to, to Matt Campbell before until last year. 10-7, by the way, way under last year. So uh, under Iowa probably wins this game, and I think covers that number. But I like the total more. I doubt they get over 30 here. So it's an under for me once again in the Cyhawk and this year at Ames. I'm with you on that one, Bruce. Uh, yeah, I mean that is that is a, a low, low uh, number. And and listen, it's you know you want to kill Iowa, but be careful what you ask for. I mean, for instance, like uh, you know Seth Luttrell down at North Texas. North Texas goes to six out of seven bowl games, man. I mean, uh, you know, put a put a statue up. No, they fire him because we want to see more. We want to see the air raid, the incarnate word. Well, you gave up 700 yards offense to Cal, okay, in the process. So you compromise there. Iowa, I mean, a neighboring state, are less resources than Nebraska. They're outperforming them every single year, and it's not even close. So, I mean, be careful what you ask for. They're li- in their spot. They're limited. To w- for them to win eight or nine games a year, I mean, this is the best approach that gives them the best chance to do so. Pick on them a little bit with the lack of offense. They're a huddle team. They're a defensive team. And, you know, so, uh, hey, uh, Ferentz may have been overpaid at one time, but he's a consistent winner. Now, the nepotism, hey, man, step it up. Step it up a little bit. This one this one shouldn't count, though, Bruce. He's not scoring 25 against Iowa State. I, I don't think there's much of a chance in that one. Let's get to the big one, Neat, talking about uh, resources. Well, these two schools have a, a few uh, resources. Alabama and Texas. How about Coach Sarek, huh? Man, Bruce, what a job he did when he had Tua, uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen, uh, Jalen Waddle, Isaiah Ruggs. I mean, Nigel, Dav- uh, Nigel Harris. I mean, you know, wow, man, I can coach that offense, uh, Bruce. But he, he lands the Texas job out of that. Oh well. So here we go. What we know about Jalen Milrow? Well, yes, he is a starter, and he can make the easy throws. There are some guys who are wide open, but at least he's making those easy throws. Joe Milton at Tennessee, nah, not so much. So and we know uh, he can run. So Alabama. Boy, they tried to try. Everybody's trying to find one little kink to where this thing could kind of fall back to the pack. But Nick Saban is still Nick Saban. Seven and a half, fifty-four and a half against Texas. Um, Ewers, solid. I mean, it's Rice. You know, nothing, nothing crazy. You know, but um, you know, we all. Uh, some people think that Arch Manning's arrival may have uh, prompted a little bit of, uh, you know, him kind of tightening up the screws a little bit. So, so kind of, you know. Okay, uh, in his uh, first start against Rice. Bama 7.5, Bruce. Yeah, and, uh, and and Bama comes in here off of the big win over Middle Tennessee last week, and this becomes a conference game uh, next year uh, if they start to, whenever they start playing each other in the SEC. History here, back to that Orange Bowl game, 1965, January 1st, the first primetime college football game on TV, the Orange Bowl that night on NBC, and a great game. Joe Namath stopped on the goal line and a quarterback sneak late in the game. Texas holds on to win, one of the great games in college history. I don't think this is going to be one of the great games in college history, though it was a good one last year when they met in Austin, and that surprises a bit that Texas was hanging there and actually in the lead most of that game until very late, that field goal drive by Bryce Young right at the end. 
gave Alabama the one-point win. Here in Tuscaloosa, though, a little bit different. And you're right, Sark, I mean, he had some weapons there. And there are still a lot, when he was at Bama working for Coach Saban, there's still a lot of Texas people who are not sure that was the right move, moving uh, moving Tom Herman out a few years ago. Sark is only 14-12 and 12 straight up at Texas. His highlight, aside from that Oklahoma game, I guess, when the, the Sooners had no quarterbacks last year, was probably at Texas has probably been that close loss to Alabama um, last year. Milro looked okay last week, and I think it's it's a, impressed upon him. You don't have to be Bryce Young, you don't have to be Tua, you don't have to be Mac Jones, um, you don't have to be Jalen Hurts. Just be Jalen Milro, and him it means I mean broken plays turn into dangerous plays because he is such a good runner. Uh, he's like a track sprinter. Uh, he is the fastest quarterback they've had there. And they've had some guys who could move. He's the fastest. His passing, coming around, didn't look too bad. He hit that deep ball, looked pretty good last week. So uh, Saban thinks he can win with him. And the defense looked fine last week. Remember, Quinn Ewers the other way got hurt in that game last year. Hudson Card came in and kept Texas close. However, uh, I think Alabama can do something here. Now, we know about Nick Saban against his former assistants. Now, he finally lost a couple of those. A few years ago, Jimbo beat him once, and then Kirby beat him once in the national title game. But in Tuscaloosa, he's never lost to one of his former assistants. He's also covered six straight against non-conference foes here at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And Texas, you know, they don't have B. John Robinson this year. And like I always say, you can replace a big-time running back, but against but a great running back, not quite as easy. And um, I think they're going to have a little bit more trouble uh, than they did last year in this game. And I look for Alabama to stretch that margin at home. I'm going to lay the points with Bama, Jimmy. I think Milrow's going to be just fine. And uh, Nick Saban uh, against one of his former aides, that's usually a pretty good wagering proposition. Well, get, get, uh, give Coach Sarka credit on one thing. They were asking him about, you know, Saban's record against, uh, against his former assistants. He said, "What's his record against all the other guys?" <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I mean it's it's kind of the same. So yeah. <clears throat> I think that was uh, that was actually uh, pretty funny and pretty uh, uh, pretty accurate uh, as well. Hey, don't forget at Bet Rivers, get extra value this football season with the Bet Rivers squares. Win up to ten thousand dollars in bonus money. You bet ten dollars in same game parlays on any game with the squares icon to earn a square again. Bet River Squares all football season long. That's five, Bruce's five picks this week, three and two last week. Let's keep it going, Brucey. We'll talk to you each and every week. And uh, Bruce with CBS Sportsline, BAMSports.net, and also VegasInsider.com. And, of course, he's with us every week on the Sports Betters Paradise. On the Bet Rivers Network, for Bruce Marshall, I'm Jimmy Ott.